souls this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why do people reject the gospel? I mean, isn't it the greatest news you could ever receive that God loves you so much that he's willing to come down from heaven to earth to pay for your sins on the cross so that you could have eternal life and be with this good God forever? Why would somebody reject that? And yet, we see even in the scriptures, as Jesus comes down from heaven to earth, and he's healing people of their diseases and their sickness, he's forgiving sins, he's casting out demons, and people are still rejecting Jesus. They're they're seeing it up close. And they're rejecting Jesus. Jesus has a, has a message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And there are some who are rejecting that message. There seems to be two groups of people in the book of Mark. The disciples of Christ who are upon hearing this message and seeing Jesus leave everything behind, following him no matter the cost. And then you have those who want to hold on to their former life, their former way of living, their livelihood, their religious practices, and they simply cannot let go to follow Jesus. These are what we call in the first three chapters the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And it's surprising to us that Mark would show us the story, and as he's unveiling the story, would show us that it's the tax collectors and the sinners who are humbling themselves and becoming followers of Jesus. Now Jesus will teach in parables. He will reveal and conceal. Last week we talked about this. He will reveal to those who have been given new hearts and want to follow the Christ the things of the kingdom of God. And he will conceal to those whose hearts have become hardened only to bring about an even more hardening until they eventually crucify the Son of God. And God will allow that to happen to save us from sin. There's a theme in this section of chapter 4 that we're going to see in verse 9 really sums it up. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You'll see this over and over again as as we talk about this parable of hearing. Having ears, the ear is a a type of humility that surrenders to the word of God. It's a humility that sets aside the pride and the self-reliance and submits to what God says, the message of the gospel, to repent and believe. And ultimately, they're able to hear, they're able to 
see and they're able to receive and actually do what the word of God says. The psalmist says in Psalm chapter 78, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. Interesting. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Give ear, O my people. Jesus now teaches in parables, and the parable of the sower is important. Why? It shows us who the king's people are. The people of God are. They're not people who close their ears to the word of God or receive the word of God for only a time, but people who hear the word, receive the word, and produce fruit that can only be a result of the work of God. This is the king's people. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Let's start there and We'll read to the end of the section in verse 20. If you'll stand with me in reading of God's word, we're going to read together this very important parable. Many of you who have been in church your whole life know this parable in and out. But we're going to open our ears to hear what God has to speak to us this morning. So let's open our ears to verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown in the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. You can be seated this morning. Jesus tells us this parable. And I'm going to pray first before we get started. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We ask that you would just give us wisdom as we search your scriptures and your teachings. Help us, Father, to hear for ourselves what you want to speak to us through your word. Help us to not, Father, grow cold or be distracted by the things of this world, but allow the seed of the word of God to take root in our hearts that produces fruit through our actions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to read verse 3, because as I was reading that, I realized some of you may have not been here last week and heard the parable. So let me, let me read verse 3. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell along thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Back in 2007, when we were first married, um, we, we were living in Tulsa at the time. We used all of our money to purchase a down payment on a house. It wasn't a lot, but we used it all. We had, I think, $175 to our name. When I went to my first day of work, that's how much money we had. And uh, I, I can remember um, I went to this job because they had a signing bonus. And so you get $3,000 on your first day of work if you sign with this uh, accounting firm. So that's where I went. We went to Tulsa, $3,000. So it was the first day of work. It was an important day of work. And we were trying to save money at the time. So uh, instead of going to the Olive Garden, we wanted to take the garden to our home. So we went online, got Olive Garden recipe, and we were trying to make fettuccine alfredo okay so if you are a saucier here and you make fettuccine alfredo you'll know what i'm about to say here um and so the recipe calls for lots of butter right uh cream cheese garlic powder and something called whipping cream and to make this sauce so we get all of our ingredients and we're so excited to put them together to produce this Olive Garden sauce. And um, we're, we're putting it all together and we're so excited that we saved $25 from not going to Olive Garden to producing it ourselves. And we put it together and we kind of look at it and kind of look at each other and, and go, well, it doesn't really look like Olive Garden sauce, does it? But I'm sure it's fine, right? Like, I'm sure that it's going to be just fine. And we begin chowing down on our chicken fettuccine Alfredo. And it tastes kind of sweet, you know, almost like candy. I'm like, what, what is this? This is weird, you know? And uh, you take the first bite and you're like, oh, oh, good night. That's a little different. And then you have some awkward bites where you, you're trying to like it, but you can't like it. Um, until we both finally kind of look at each other and go, this is not right. We're not going to eat this, you know. And uh, so it would be years later it w th that uh, while cooking, we would realize that whipping cream is different than whipped cream, okay? <laughs> like whipped cream you put on chocolate sundaes, that's what we put into the fettuccine Alfredo, okay? So... <laughs> We always thought there was something wrong with the recipe, right? <laughs> it just wasn't right. No, safe to say there was nothing wrong with the recipe. It's just like there is nothing wrong with the Word of God. It is the person who receives the Word of God that has the issue. You see, they must hear, they must receive 
and then they must bear fruit. Meaning they respond to the word of God with their actions. The word of God is not the issue. It's the issue of our hearts. The recipe is simple. Hear the word, receive the word, bear fruit. That's simple. That's the recipe. That's the recipe. But sometimes our hearts are not right. My friends, it's only one of the four soils in which is right. Only one of the four soils is so connected to the vine who is Christ that it produces fruit in one's life. John 15, 5 says this, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You see, the soil that is fertile, that produces fruit, the soil that is fertile enough to produce fruit is a person whose heart is humble enough to repent, receive, and act or bear fruit in their life through the gospel. John 12, 24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. It is this dying to self and living for Christ, abiding in Christ, which shows that the word of God has taken root in your heart. John 15, 2 says this, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And this bearing of fruit is a sign that you are in fact a disciple of Jesus Christ. John 15, 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So this morning, as we read this text, as we preach this text, my prayer for you is not to look to your neighbor or to the person that's not here or to the person that lives next door or the person that you know is lost, but look to your own heart to see where the Lord wants to soften and renew your heart according to the word of God. So let's look at verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And they hear, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is our first point this morning. The word of God does not produce fruit in those unwilling to hear. 
The word of God does not produce fruit in those unwilling to hear. So you have this first soil, the seed, and he tells us the seed is the word of God is sown in this place of the path where people have impacted the dirt into where it is hard and the seed cannot get under the dirt to produce roots that grow deep, and fruit that grows high. But before we get there, it's 13. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? It's interesting. The disciples don't understand the parable. I thought he was revealing to those who could, uh, you know, believed upon Christ what the kingdom of God is like. But... It's interesting that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, don't really fully understand the parable. And Jesus will have to align it out for them. It will be a theme throughout Mark. God's great grace for his disciples who fall, fail, and are often confused. So if that's you this morning, you're in good company. That's Jesus' disciples. In Mark chapter 8... The disciples are upset because they only have one loaf of bread in this boat. And someone had forgotten the bread. You can, you can imagine Bartholomew. Uh, Bartholomew, you're supposed to have the bread. Wasn't it your turn to bring the bread? Why don't you have the bread in the boat this, today, right? And this is right after Jesus has fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. He's fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says to them in Mark 8, 17, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said 12. And seven for the 4,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So I, I, when you, when you look at the, the, the reason why I'm saying this is because when you look at this text... And you say, well, there's certain aspects of my life that I don't fully grasp or maybe certain aspects of my life that I fully don't produce fruit yet. Know that our God is a gracious God who loves you and wants you to understand his word fully. So if you're not perfect, this is a good reminder that you need the power of God in your life to transform your life and you need to humble yourselves to allow the Lord God Almighty to do that. But this is an important parable because it causes us to examine our hearts to see if the recipe that God has designed for transformation is actually being fulfilled in our own hearts to hear, to receive, and to respond in action. So... <clears throat> Verse 14 says this, the sower sows the word. So the sower is sowing the seed, and the seed in this parable, remember it's like to come alongside. It's this, this, 
this comparison, like Jesus is, is telling us an earthly story for a heavenly meeting, me, <clears throat> meaning. And so he's showing us that this seed is the word of God. He's declaring the message of the word of God. Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Mark's already told us what Jesus declared. And this is the central theme of the word of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Hear, receive, and respond. Hear, receive, and respond. God has good news. The gospel is good news. The kingdom of God has come to you. Therefore, repent, believe, and in this gospel. God has made a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. What a message, amen? If you're hearing this for the first time or the 5,000th time, don't close your ears because your ears are a window to your own heart and soul. But in this first, this first section, the seed is sown in the path and it does not even pierce the soil. We know that there will be some who the word of God is spoken to and it takes no root. The soil of their heart has grown cold and hard and Satan, the adversary, snatches it because it has not penetrated the heart. You guys see the walking paths as you exit the highways in our city and you see people walking back and forth on those paths and there's no grass that grows on those paths. Why? Because the soil has been hardened. As you get older, there's a tendency to become hardened. Why? Because you continue to walk the path of life. And you continue to see things that are not good in your own life and in the life of others and things around you, you see the wickedness of sin, you become hardened to it, you're exposed to many other things in your life and you walk this earth and the soil of your heart can become hard if you're not careful. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In, this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Is that not what David read this morning? The knowledge of the glory of God in Habakkuk 2.14. The knowledge of the glory of God cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. That God's design for us is to not only hear the word, to receive the word, but then to do the word, to reflect the glory of God as the light shines in our hearts. The light shines out of darkness. You see, the word of God not taking root in someone's life is devastating. 
Let me repeat that. The word of God not taking root in someone's life is devastating. The effects are real. The consequences are often seen by everyone around them. Just think of a world in which the word of God does not take root in someone's heart. They wander around in darkness thinking and saying and doing whatever they desire because they reject the authority of a good God who loves them in their life. And the lasting effects can cause lasting effects in their own life and the life of their loved ones. Think about just some of these aspects in the lives of people who have rejected the word of God in their life and chosen to go their own way. Someone who commits adultery. The lasting effects upon them and their spouse and their children. Sometimes ending in divorce. How about murder? The consequences of that. Essentially, that's what the Pharisees will do is they will murder the Son of God as a result of hardened hearts. What about lying, the fact, lack of trust that impacts those that you love, honoring your father and mother, the issues in the home with, with not living in obedience and accordance to the word of God. You see, if the word of God does not take root in your life, it will show in every aspect of your life. You will not reflect the glory of God. So let us all examine our hearts to see if the word of God is producing fruit in our own lives. Verse 17. Verse 16. Excuse me. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So you have two others They look like they're sprouting fruit, but they do not last. One is sown in the rocky soil, meaning the soil is very thin and underneath is a layer of rocks. This happens in in Israel, in in that part of the world, as there's rocky soil. It's a thin soil. It looks like it's producing. It'll quickly spring up, but it will not produce roots that go down deep. And when the sun comes, it scorches it and it dies. The plant dies. The tree dies. And the other seed is the one that falls in among the weeds. Interestingly enough, the weeds and the, and the thorns is what it will be the curse for humanity in the Garden of Eden. It will choke out the fruit that wants to be sown because of the other weeds and plants involved in the soil. This is our second point this morning. The Word of God does not produce lasting fruit unless one loves the Lord. The word of God does not produce lasting fruit unless one loves the Lord. Did you know following Jesus is not easy? 
Anybody who says following Jesus, following God's word is easy, is probably not following Christ to begin with, right? You know, there will be trials, there will be persecutions for following Christ. And what happens when those trials occur? What happens when life get ha- gets hard? What, what happens when everything doesn't go according to your plan? What happens when your faith is challenged? Or because of your faith, you receive persecution. Can't help but think about Abraham who's been given this son, a blessing from the Lord. He's waited his whole life for this. And the Lord tells him, hey, bring him up and sacrifice him on the altar. What? No, no, I'm I'm not going to do that, right? What happens when your faith is challenged? James chapter 1, verse 2, I love this verse, I cling to it often. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If God's plan is for the knowledge of his glory to fill the earth as waters cover the sea, and he does that through his, cre- his people created in his image, guess what? He is going to produce in them trials to produce a steadfastness in which makes them perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So you as the people of God can expect trials and persecutions because it is God's way of refinement for you. But this soil has no depth or root because of the rocks underneath. The thin layer of soil And when the heat comes, it cannot last. So church, what happens when you lose a loved one? What happens when you get sick or your wife leaves you or your children go astray or you lose your job because you stood upon the faith? What then? My question to you is, do you love the Lord or just the stuff that he brings to you? Do you truly love the Lord or is it just when he blesses you with your life? Because if the reality is if you truly love the Lord, you will really know that he is good. Even in the most difficult of circumstances and times. You will know that he's a faithful God and his steadfast love endures forever. You may not understand it all. You may not know why he's doing what he is doing. But you know that he's good. And your faith grows deeper. Bringing about a steadfastness of faith. Producing in you a Christ-likeness. That brings glory to God. Do you know that, that Christ suffered On this earth, he suffered injustice. He suffered persecution. He suffered rejection by the family. He suffered rejection from the religious leaders. The point of his crucifixion and his death. He understands all that you're walking through. 
The third soil is the one that gets choked out by other things, specifically the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. This is the person who finds themselves loving the things of the world more than Christ, and they end up choking out the word of God in their hearts. You know, sometimes these are rather innocent hobbies or collections or things that turn into idols. They turn into a heart that grows cold toward the Lord. That which once becomes just a hobby now becomes your life. You eat, sleep, and breathe this thing, and you try to find time for the word of God and obedience to it, and then there's no room for it left. Or it's one search for the American dream, the deceitfulness of riches to become wealthy has now translated into your call in life. Rather than glorifying God with your life, your call is to make money and make as much money as possible. Money becomes the reason for your breath. Yet the reality is wealth is deceitful. Why? Because it provides the illusion of security in your life. And for this reason, we must protect our hearts from being people in whom the word of God is choked out in our hearts and ultimately in our actions. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Why? Because both of these, not only the the people that are sown in the rocky soil, but the people that are sown In the thorns and the weeds, those people look like they are producing fruit. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. We we have a saying in our church, and, and it's very purposeful, And it is what we do. It is we love Christ and we live his mission. And and what this whole second point under these two soils is representative. Do you love Christ? Do you truly love Christ? And so how do I know if I love Christ, right? Like that's the question. Like how do I know? Well, we we feel like a heart that produces five core values of our church is a heart that genuinely loves Christ. And that's what we look for in our own hearts and what we look for in each other's hearts as we encourage each other to love Christ and live his mission. You have a heart that says, I desire to worship the Lord. I desire to pray and trust in God. I desire to give and to live in community with others. I desire to hear from the word of God. I have a desire to love others through my actions. That is a heart that loves Christ. You want a diagnosis? That's it. You want a diagnosis of it? Do you love Jesus? Yes, I desire those things. Do I do them perfectly? 
No, I don't. But I sure do desire that. But if you look at your root system and you say, I don't really desire those things. I don't truly love Christ. I don't truly try to live his mission out. And the answer to those questions is disappointing to you, then it's time to revisit your root system. It must be something rotten underneath the surface. And maybe you need to dig up the soil of your own heart to see if there's any rocks or anything that, or thorns that need to be removed. Check your environment. See if there's any weeds or thorns in it. Then replant the gospel. Cover, water, sleep, and check on it again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 20. But to those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. There's, there's your recipe. Hear, receive, bear. The Word of God produces supernatural reproducing fruit. You see, back here in Israel's day, in Jesus' Jesus's time, a great crop would produce seven times or eight times what was sown. Here, Jesus says it's 30, 60, even up to 100. It's a supernatural fruit. It's a reproducing fruit. It's the fruit that God causes in someone's life. And it is the evidence of the spirit of the living God in one's life to be able to bear fruit. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, he is it that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It is the person of God who abides in Christ, who has received the spirit of the living God, and which is humble enough to allow the spirit to transform their heart and their mind to produce in them the fruit of God himself. The spirit of the living God. You guys have heard of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of God. It's the fruit of who God is reflecting in your life. Galatians 5.22, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. These are characteristics of God himself. And when they are reflected in the people of God, created in his image, then God's glory fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. And the spirit of the living God, in which God wants to transform in your life, produces fruit. And it's not just a little bit. It's extrapolated multitude of fruit in one's life. Remember the, the recipe, hear, receive, bear. If the person is not bearing fruit in their life, then there's something wrong with the roots. There's something wrong with their hearts. They've got to go back to the gospel. 
Matthew 7, 17 says this, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. It's really quite simple. If you're not bearing fruit, meaning you're not showing who God is by your life, then there's something wrong with the tree. There's something wrong with the heart because the word of God is not penetrating the heart. You are not receiving the gospel and then you are not responding to the gospel. The root system begins with Christ. Why? Because he is the perfect tree that bears fruit. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Think of a stump and something coming up out of it. The stump means it's dead. It's not alive. It's cut off. And there comes a shoot from the root of Jesse and a branch from its, his roots shall bear fruit. Who is that? That is Jesus Christ. From the roots of the stump shall come a shoot. That is Christ coming from the line of David, the stump of Jesse. David's father is Jesse. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So it is Jesus in our place to allow us to receive this spirit in which has been placed upon him to bear the fruit that Christ bore. You see, you understand all this? Because Christ has borne the perfect fruit, our faith in him allows us to bear fruit in our lives. It is his work, and we trust our heart to him. Later in Isaiah, God will say, in Isaiah 37, 31, this is a great uh, illustration, it's a great parable, whatever you want to call it, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. The further you go down in your root system, the more fruit you will bear as you go upward. The more you develop a relationship with Christ and draw deeply into his word, the further you will see fruit in your life. This is God's call to the church. To be people of light that reflect the glory of Christ with their life. Anybody who reflects the glory of God reflects is producing fruit. And anybody who does not needs to check again their root system and their heart. And find the great God who loves them and cares for them and has died for them. So where are you in this this morning? Maybe you're not hearing the word or you've never heard the word of God. And you need to ask the Lord to soften your heart to give you faith like a child. 
Maybe you're struggling through trial and persecution and you need a root system that grows deep and you need to ask the Lord to give you the faith that you need to endure this trial. And maybe you're dabbling in the world and the fruit is being choked out by the world and the deceitfulness of riches and you need to repent. And turn to Christ. And maybe you're seeing the fruit of the gospel in your life. And you're reminded of the grace of God and his work in your life. And you can need to continue to ask God deeply to grow your root system deeper. And maybe you need to see where you can invest your life into others who will produce fruit in theirs. As God wants to reproduce his kingdom in the lives of others. So let's pray as we focus our eyes on these and answer these questions to ourselves. Father, we ask that we would not think of other people right now, but we would think of ourselves. Where is our root system? Where is our soil of our heart? Is it hardened? Does it need to grow deeper? Do we need to check our garden for other things? Or Father, are we producing the fruit that glorifies you in every aspect of our lives? And what aspects do you want to see from us? Oh, Lord, help us to be people who examine our hearts truly, that respond to your word with action, that receive it, not just to people who come and hear and and go home, but people who hear, receive, and are changed. And allow the gospel to change our lives today. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word this morning. Help us to respond in worship. In Jesus' name we pray.